going through a series right now in the book of Psalms. And Psalms is easily one of the most loved, uh, cherished books in the entire Bible. Um, it's been a source of strength, a source of hope, a source of peace for people for literally uh, centuries. And there's a psalm, it would seem, for just about everything that you can be experiencing in life. Um, if you're experiencing uh, maybe the highs of life or the lows of life, there's a, there's a psalm for whatever it is that you're, you're going through. And we've called this, this uh, series Psalms, the Soundtracks of Life, because that's really the, sound, like the songs that we listen to in life so often reflect what season we're in. And uh, this last uh, summer, uh, several weeks ago, my family went on vacation. And I got to say, we, every time we go on vacation, we make a, a summer playlist, vacation playlist. And, and there was really no, like, down-in-the-dumps songs. It was all, like, upbeat, happy, go-go kind of stuff, up, just chill, let the good times roll kind of music. But then there are seasons where you need the exact opposites. Um, how many times has Mariah Carey or Whitney Houston come through for someone in the middle of a breakup? You know what I'm saying? You know, I can't live without you. I just can't go on. Um, you don't even have to meet, be in the middle of a breakup. And some of the, these breakup songs are enough just to make you completely depressed. Um, Becky and I, when we were dating, we had like a brief three-day breakup that I hes hesitate to even bring up this morning because it's still a sore spot. Um, it's 25 years ago. How long was it? Two weeks? Okay. As you can see, it's still a sore spot. <laughs> but, but our song that we... we <laughs> our... <laughs> Our song that we had, that got us through, that just kind of like, that, that just expressed what we were going through was One Sweet Day, Mariah Carey back in the day. Just like, it had all kinds of tears to that song. Well, the Psalms are kind of like that. Like, there's songs for, for everyone in every season of life, which is one of the reasons why the song, Psalms have always been uh, just one of the most loved books of the Bible. No matter what you're going through, there's something in there. And last week we looked at Psalm chapter 8 In Psalm chapter 8, David's just writing about how majestic God is And just how, how he is over everything His goodness and all this it's, it's just David, he's at the highs of life Celebrating the, the joy and the, the, the feelings of worship That are just inside of him He just has to get that out So he writes Psalm 8 Well today we're going to go to the opposite side of the spectrum And we're going to be in Psalm 137 Which is a song um, that expresses the writer's grief, sadness, and even outright anger all at the same time. And so uh, just to prepare you, we're going to be on a bit of a journey this morning. We're going to go kind of down in the deeps, the depths, <laughs> and then we're going to come out at the end with lots of hope. But before we read this psalm, let me just give you some of the context of this psalm because the context for this psalm is super, super important. I'm just going to adjust this because it's scratching my beard. All right. This psalm is written during one of the darkest periods of Israel's Old Testament history. Um, Israel, the people of God, had been living in a place of outright rebellion and sin against God. And like a protective parent looking out for his kids, God comes along and he, he warns Israel over and over and over again that they need to turn from their ways, otherwise things are just not going to be good, 
God sends all these prophets along. While the Israelites did not listen, and as a result, they end up being invaded by the most powerful nation in the world at the time. It was a nation known as Babylonia. It was ruled by a king named Nebuchadnezzar, and he had just completed a, a military conquest where he'd been out conquering places like Egypt, Syria, and next on Nebuchadnezzar's sights is the nation of Israel. Nebuchadnezzar ends up taking his army into Jerusalem. He totally ransacks the city. Men, women, children murdered. The treasures of the temple are, are completely looted, and then the whole thing is reduced to ruins. But he doesn't stop there. Next, the Bible says what Nebuchadnezzar does is he, he carries all Jerusalem into exile, the Bible says. And where are they all taken to? To the city of Babylon. Now, Babylon wasn't just any old city. Babylon, at the time, was the largest, wealthiest, most modern city in the ancient world. Think of what New York City is for us today. That was kind of Babylon back in the day. Babylon was famous for its hanging gardens, its beautiful rivers flowing through the, the city. It was a dazzling urban center filled with gold, towering temples, surrounded by a wall that was so thick that you could actually ride a chariot, two chariots drawn by four horses each on the wall, and they could pass each other. It's just this massive city. And although it was a gorgeous city for the Israelites, and then for Christianity throughout the ages, Babylon became symbolic of everything ungodly because of Nebuchadnezzar's cruelty and because of Nebuchadnezzar's um, idolatry, his worship of false gods. And the Jewish people are exiled to this place for 70 years. Now, it's impossible for us who, who live in relative safety, security, freedom in America to imagine what this was like for them. But if you've been watching the news the past week, um, with everything going on in Afghanistan, you might be able to get a bit of an idea of what it was like for them. And although the Afghan people aren't necessarily being exiled, they're basically going to be living the life of an exile in their own country as they are just overrun and under the rule of the Taliban. Life's bleak, it's captivity, very little freedom. And it's in this context that the writer of Psalm 137, who's heavy-hearted as he's in exile, broken, filled with anger over what's been done to, to, to their people, that the writer of Psalm 137 pins these words. Let's read Psalm 137, 1. By the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows, there we, we hung up our lyres, for there our captors required of us songs and our tormentors, tormentors mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. In a couple weeks, we're going to be actually wrapping up this sermon series by looking at what it means to love our city like the psalmist loved their city and just swap out Zion here in Jerusalem and put Ferndale there and ask yourself if this describes your heart for your city. If I forget you, O Ferndale, let my right hand forget its skill. That's devotion, and we're going to be diving into that in a couple weeks. The writer goes on to say, let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not set Jerusalem 
above my highest joy. And then for the rest of the, the chapter, which we're not going to read this morning, the writer pins what is probably some of the strongest language in the Bible when it comes to expressing anger. And, and, and they basically spend the rest of the psalm calling down curses on, on Babylon and on the Babylonian people. The person writing this psalm is not in a very good place. They're heavy-hearted, they're sad, and when they think of all that's been done to them, they're, they, they're also filled with a lot of anger. You know, we we've, we've probably have heard, and you've probably heard this a lot in the church, where the psalms, with, with some of the things that are expressed in the psalm, the sadness, the questioning of God and how God works, that it's okay to bring your sadness and your grief and your questions to God. While something that Psalm 137 shows us is that it's, it's also okay to bring your anger to God. And as the psalmist is sitting there on the banks of, of the river in Babylon, they just bring some, some, some inc- just incredible anger to God. And just the fact that this psalm is in the Bible shows that God is actually okay with that. He's okay with it. They have a, a, a lot that they're going through. And they're just not in, in a very good place. And um, this past week and, and longer, you know, it's been filled with all kinds of emotions. Um, most of us this last week have seen images of people literally falling from airplanes to their death. You've seen pictures of babies being passed through crowds of people um, so they can get out of this country that's being overrun by such evil people. And, and you see all that stuff, and then on the other hand, you see what's just happening in our own country, the full-throttled anger that people are, 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 are feeling around mandates, and then the full-throttled throttled anger that people are also feeling on the opposite side, wondering, okay, why are people so upset at mandates? I mean, there's been all kinds of this stuff that we've been living through um, this last week, People are angry, people are upset, and then there's the heaviness that comes with realizing that, that we have just a long ways to go before things get back to normal, if they ever do get back to normal. And on top of all this, this stuff that we reg- we're also going with, or dealing with the stuff that we just regularly have to experience and go through in life, day in and day out, jobs being lost, and mar- marriages being on the rocks, and families going through strife and loss of purpose, depression— all this kind of stuff, and it can leave you experiencing all the emotions that the psalmist describes here in this, this psalm. And, and there's, this, there's this, this really profound picture here where the psalmist says, okay, I, I'm just done. And it's like they grab that lyre, which was like an, a guitar back in the day, and they just go, okay, I'm just going to hang this up on the willow tree because I am just, I'm, I'm, I'm finished. And it's, it's the last thing that they want to do, but the, things have gotten so bad that they're just done. And I wonder, has anybody else been there lately where you're just like, I am just done. And, and I'm not even going to try finding joy. I'm not even going to try finding hope. I'm not, not even going to try finding what's good in all this. I'm just going to hang things up on a tree so time into my little hole with my phone, and I'm just going to binge Netflix with a bucket of ice cream for the rest of the year. I don't know about you, but that has sounded pretty good to me um, 
a lot the last few months. But there's some things that I believe God wants us to know from this psalm, and some things that I know that he wants to encourage us with this morning. But one of the things I know that God wants us to know from this, this psalm, and it's not exactly a feel-good thing that, that he wants us to know, but, but you just have to address this after reading this psalm, and that's this, that sin has consequences. The Israelites were in the situation that they were in because of the way that they had turned their back on God and chosen to live their life their own way. And some things that you need to know about sin is it destroys it leads to heartache, it leads to devastation, it leads you away from God and the life that he comes to bring, the joy, the peace, the hope, the purpose, the truth. It, 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 it takes you from, from God's way and it leads you away from, from him and all the life that he brings. Now, not every difficult situation that we find ourselves in life is obviously a direct result from sin, but it is an indirect result from sin. Um, Every bit of heartache, every bit of sickness, every bit of war, every bit of, bit of famine, every bit of, of whatever the, the, the bad thing that's going on in our world or in your life, it's, it's all, it has at its core sin and the brokenness that, that, sin, that sin brings. And it's important whenever you find yourself struggling in life to do some serious introspection and like, like uh, David does in Psalm 139 to just go, okay, God, search my heart. Is there something there? Is there some way in me that is different than the way that you've been asking me to live? Am I saying no to your way, God, and just trying to live life my, my way? God, is there something going on? Is there some willful disobedience? Because sin will always crack open the door of your heart in your life to the enemy's attack. It'll always crack that door open. And there are consequences to sin in the same way that there's consequences when you jump off of a three-story building. Stuff is going to get broken. And one of those consequences that we see in, in Psalm 137 isn't just the captivity that they're dealing with in a foreign land, but the incredible sense of loss and heaviness that's just weighing their soul. And one of the great lies of the enemy is that sin will bring you joy. It's going to just fill you with happiness. It's going to make you feel really good. You know, what's really interesting is that as far as the ancient world goes, if there's a place that you want to be exiled to, it's probably Babylon. I mean, this, this is not Siberia. This is not the cold Arctic. On a material level, it's filled with wealth. I mean, there are Lambos on the streets. People are wearing Gucci and Armani. The ladies got Louis Vuitton purses. I mean, gorgeous rivers, affluence, power, all that stuff. That's Babylon. Every pleasure that they could imagine is, is theirs for the taking at, for that period in history. A spectacular city. It's a, it's a huge upgrade, material, materially speaking, from, from Jerusalem. And I'm sure their captors, as they're watching them on the banks of the river, just sad and full of grief, I'm sure their captors who are prodding them to sing songs are probably wondering, okay, why are you guys so sad? I mean, look at where you were, and look at, look at where you are right now. And isn't that just how sin works? It looks, it, it looks like it should be so good, like the end result of that thing is going to be goodness of life, but make no mistake about it, what the world deems to be a good life is actually a facade. It's not real. It might look dazzling. It might be shiny. It might be all that kind of stuff. And it might even make you feel good in the short term. 
But in the long term, sin always, 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 always ends in misery. But thank God that he loves us too much to, to let us stay there. And so what does he do? He pursues us in his love. He pursues us in his mercy. Even when we make mistakes and we fail and we fall short, God keeps going after us. And sometimes the consequences of sin are, are part of that pursuit. You know, God allows us to, to experience the, the, the negative side of that. But God keeps coming after us in his love and mercy. He does not leave us in our sin. Amen? He comes after us. But then there are other times when we find ourselves in a difficult place in life, not as a re direct result of sin, but because of that indirect result of sin and just living in a broken, fallen world. And you hear me say this all the time, life is hard. There is nobody that is immune to the difficulties of life. Nobody. And I feel like with all the craziness of life and the craziness of our world right now, you know, one of the things that, that you can find encouragement in the most on Sundays is me just continuing to remind you, you know, life is hard. What you're going through, what you're experiencing right now, you are not experiencing that on your own. There are a ton of people, me included, who are having to at least weekly deal with all the craziness and all the emotional uncertainty and the grief and the loss that is happening in our world right now. Nobody's immune to the difficulties of life. And so, so here's Israel in this place of hardship, and one of the biggest challenges that they're having to deal with is a tremendous, tremendous sense of loss. They've lost everything that they once had. Their beloved city where they would gather with friends and family for their Sabbath meals and their festivities and celebrations, gone. Their temple, along with all the incredible times of worship that they would have there, gone. Friends and family that they, they, they did life with, gone. Freedoms that they once enjoyed to just go and do as they please, as they're captive in Babylon, gone. There is just so, so much loss. And we've all had to deal with a lot of loss lately. You know, I think we've all lost some friendships. You know, some have lost friendships due to all the crazy polarization that's happening in, in our world right now. You know, I'm in that boat. Others have literally lost friends and family to COVID. You know, there are some in our church family who just got back from a funeral from someone that lost their life to COVID. I actually have a friend right now in the hospital in, in Portland who is fighting for his life because of COVID. Um, we've lost a lot of what we had as a church. People are gone. Programs have changed. You know, just not able to get together quite as much. And then you hear about how things are going backward again this week due to all the rising cases. It's discouraging. Um, we've lost freedom to do things that we've always done. I just saw my, my parents and my family face-to-face -face up in Canada for the first time in two years just this summer. And I've always just been completely free to go see them across the border. That's not there anymore. There's a loss of normality. Things are just different today than they were two years ago. And this on top of all the losses that life already brings with it. Loss of dreams. Loss of youthfulness. Loss of routines. Loss of your children as they leave home and head off to college. Loss of health. And it can make you just want to grab that, that liar, so to speak, and hang it up on the willow tree 
throw in the towel and just go, oh my gosh, I'm just, I'm done. And the Israelites are in a place of deep loss. And the Babylonians, they do the worst thing they could possibly do to someone who's dealing with a loss of some kind. They come along and they say, hey, sing us some songs. Which could be put another way, hey, just look on the bright side of life. Just cheer up. It's going to be okay. The sun will come up tomorrow. <laughs> Bet your bottom. <laughs> you know, when so, you, you've all been there before. When someone's experiencing loss, this is not the loving thing to do. You might think it is, but it isn't. It, it just, it, it's not the most loving thing to do. You know, I've been thinking a lot as, as the, the pastor of this church about how uh, this church you know, how are we going to survive these polarized, crazy times we're living in? I mean, just here in this room alone, there is polarization. If we were to, like, start talking about our opinions about COVID and vaccines and the politics of Afghanistan and this and that, we would experience very, very quickly that there's a lot of polarization even in this room. And I've been thinking a lot, okay, well, how, how are we going to, how do we survive this? Not that I'm afraid or anything, but, but how, how can we not just get through this, but how can we also on the other side be stronger as a church instead of weaker as a church? How are we gonna, how are we gonna do this? And, 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 and listen, you know what I think is gonna be the key for us simply, uh, for, for us getting through is for us to simply try to have some understanding as people are experiencing loss. Regardless of what that loss is that they're struggling with. It is unhealthy for you to slap a smile on your own loss rather than going through some healthy grief. And it's downright infuriating when you try to slap a smile on someone else's loss. It does not bring peace. It doesn't bring harmony. It does not bring, it doesn't bring hope. It doesn't, it doesn't do any of that kind of stuff. It, it actually brings division. And at the end of Psalm 137, the writer expresses anger, wanting nothing more than to see Babylon laid, laid bare and destroy, destroyed. And, but, and the better thing to do when someone is experiencing loss is to simply try to understand and in some way express to them these words. Hey, I'm sorry you're having to go through this. Life is hard. That really sucks. And you just come alongside of them and rather than try to like search your opinion or your view or try to tell them how they should be feeling or shouldn't be feeling you just come alongside of them and just walk with them and 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 just be there and just let them know hey I'm, that stinks that stinks I'm, pr I'm praying for you you know just let, let them know that peter scazzaro a pastor out of um, new york city he wrote a really good book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. It's a mouthful, but it's a great book. And in it, he writes about how to deal with loss. He says this. He says, Our culture routinely interprets losses as alien invasions that interrupt our normal, he puts it, lives. And, and isn't that just where we've been the last 18 months? The loss of whatever it might be, your freedom, your family, uh, friends, whatever it might be. We, we, in, we interpret those losses to be these alien invasions on our little lives. He goes on to say, we numb our pain through denial, blaming, been a lot of that going on, rationalizations, 
addiction and avoidance. You know, honest moment for you today, it's become easier and easier for me to just like flip on the TV, flip on my smartphone, and just zone out over the past few months as a way to avoid having to deal with all the loss and the stuff going on down here. Addiction might actually be the most common way that we deal with the pain and loss. We watch our screens nonstop, or we're addicted to our Facebook feed, our Snapchat feed, and of course there's all the substance abuse, whatever it might be, but addiction might just be the most common way that we, we try to deal with and cope with the pain and the loss. Schizero goes on to say this. He says, we search for spiritual shortcuts around our wounds. We demand others take away our pain, yet we all face many deaths within our lives. Then he goes on to say this. The choice is whether these deaths will be terminal, crushing our spirit and life, or will they open us up to new possibilities and depths of transformation in Christ. Will we let the loss, will we let the change, will we let all that stuff, will we, will we let it become terminal and that we just, it just crushes us? You know, we're like that person on, in, in Psalm 137 that's just like, no, I'm hanging it up, I'm done. Or will we allow that to open our lives up, our hearts and our souls up to the new possibilities and the depths of transformation in Jesus? There is a choice. And, and Scazzaro goes on in his book to tell about how dealing with pain and loss in a biblical way, it actually involves doing some very specific things. And he gives, he gives about six or seven things that you can do. I just want to list a few of them here. First thing is, is this, is, is you pay attention. You pay attention. You don't try to numb it. You don't try to, you know, just, you're in that place of, of, of feeling the grief and the sadness, and you don't just try to numb it. You pay attention to that. You know, I think one of the worst things that you can do when you've just finished watching someone fall from a plane in the sky is just keep scrolling through your Facebook feed. I think you need to let that sink in, what you just saw. And you need to, you need to, 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 to just allow the, the loss and the tragedy of that to, 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 to settle in somehow, and at the very least, to, to pray, rather than just, going on the next thing in the news cycle or the next thing in your, your social media feed. You, you, you deal with pain and loss by paying attention. You don't ignore it. You face it. And as followers of Jesus, one of the best ways to face that is to bring it to God in all of its ugliness. To say, God, here's this thing that I'm feeling inside. Here's this thing that's just crushing me. God, I'm going to bring that to you. And this, this Psalm 137, it's God's way of saying, it is okay to bring your loss to me, even when that loss looks like outright, outright rage and anger. God says, bring that to me. You pay attention. Second, second thing you do is this. You deal with the loss by simply waiting in the confusing in-between, as Schizero puts it. You, you deal with it by being okay, waiting in the confusing. So you know where things were, what things were like. You've got no idea where things are going. You're just like sitting here, right, in the confusing in-between. And the in-between is confusing. And, and this is just where we're at as a society. This is where we're at as a church. The confusing in-between. We know what was, but we're certainly not very certain about what's ahead. 
And this is Psalm 137. The writer, the writer knew what, what they had. They knew about Jerusalem and the glory days of Jerusalem. And, and there's, there's nothing in Psalm 137, if you read that, there's nothing there that, about what's ahead. Nothing. Why? Because they just they don't know. All they know is that they're in this place in life that is hard. And, and it's, it's being, dealing with the loss is being okay at simply waiting in the place of the confusing in between, and we could preach a whole sermon series on how to wait in a way that's good. But just to sum it up really quick, some healthy ways to wait in the confusing in between are to keep doing what we did this morning. You worship God in the middle of the confusion. You worship when your world is caving in around you and you don't have a clue what's ahead. You worship, you stand firm on God who's a rock. And another thing that you can do to, to, to wait in the in-between in a healthy way is you just live a life of gratitude. You live a life of gratitude. Because so often what happens in life is we, we get so focused on what we no longer have that we completely forget about what we do have. We completely forget. And, and waiting in that confusing in-between place in a way that's healthy means living a life of gratitude for what you do have. Third thing is this. Um, you embrace a posture of humility. Speak less. Oh, how our world would be a better place if people would take this to heart and speak less. Or type less. You know, we admit our frailty. We, we be honest with close friends about our weakness, but we be patient. We embrace humility rather than a know-it-all attitude. We just, we speak less. And then lastly, we let the old give birth to the new. We decide that whatever it is that we lost, as hard as that was, as hard as that is, that it's not the end. Yes, it might be in some ways, but it doesn't have to be in every way doesn't have to be in every way. And how do I know this? I know this because of the God that we serve. Be, because he's a God of the new. He's a God who can take any situation where there's loss, and no matter how big that loss is, even the loss of his own son to the grave, and he can take that and bring new life to it. And this is the story of, of Psalm 137. If you just read Psalm 137 from the beginning to the end you, and just sit there, you're going to be, wow, that was a depressing psalm. But there's more going on behind the scenes. You see, as the people of God are in the middle of one of their darkest seasons, God is working behind the scenes, bringing new life where it appears all there is is lost. And he doesn't hide this reality from them. You know, what he does is he sends prophets to his people who are in exile. Prophets like, like Jeremiah, he sends these people along to encourage them and to remind them of who he is and to remind them of what he's doing, to remind them that there is hope. And one of these, these prophets, Jeremiah, as, as the people of God are in the middle of Babylon— you know, they're sitting there. The, the lyre is hung up on the willow tree. They're being taunted. It's just grief. It's sadness. It's uncertainty. It's loss. It's all that stuff. What God does is he sends Jeremiah to his people with a message of hope. And this is for some of you this morning. God wants to bring hope. 
No matter what it is that you are experiencing, no matter what it is that you're going through, no matter how hard that thing might be, God wants to bring you some hope this morning. And listen to what the prophet Jeremiah says to the people of God. He says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens. Eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters a marriage so they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. I read that and I just thought, that's hard. You're in a, a difficult place and God basically comes along and says, hey, settle down. If I'm, if I'm that guy writing this psalm on the banks of the river, and I've just hung up my harp, last thing I want to hear is God come along and say, hey, settle down in this place, plant some gardens, let your kids get married, all that kind of stuff. And, and, and what is God doing here? You know, what God is saying is you can either choose to let this hard place get the best of you, or you can instead decide to make the most of this hard place that you're in. God's saying, don't just crawl in a hole. Don't just crawl under those blankets with your screen. It might be easier to do that, to stay sullen and angry, but God says, don't. Instead, bloom where you're planted. Keep growing in Christ. You still have a purpose. You're still alive. And you're alive for a reason. God says, hey, don't just, don't just crawl in a hole and die. No, no, you've got purpose. He goes on to say also, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I've carried you in exile. And that's crazy. So these people, the Babylonians, have just carried me into exile, have just murdered my, my family and my friends, and, and now God's saying, hey, pray for their peace and prosperity? I think the, one of the reasons that God does that is because God is still for people. He's still for people. And then he says, this is what the Lord says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know, and this is the verse that, that we just slap on coffee mugs sometimes and don't even give a whole lot of thought to, but it is so, so true for us today. God says, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. That is God's word for us today. And have you ever wondered, okay, why do we sing songs like Great is Thy Faithfulness when the, the, the whole world is caving in around us? Why do we sing songs like I've decided to follow Jesus when the world scoffs at our belief system? Why do we sing songs like there's nothing that our God can't do when we look around and we just see the world is, is shaking? Why do we, why do we pick up the liar in the face of taunting. It's because we know that God has promised to return us to Zion, like we read in this passage. We know that his goodness hasn't changed. We know that there is always hope in a glorious, beautiful future for the one who is found in Jesus.
And this, this, yeah, that's okay. It's good. It's hope. And when we do this, when we worship God in the middle of the chaos, when we worship God in the middle of, of our uncertainty, in the middle of the loss, in the middle of the pain, whatever it might be, this is not avoidant behavior. Instead, it is proactive faith declaring who our God is, declaring that He hasn't changed. And I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe you came in and it was just all sunshine and rainbows for you, and this is the last message that you needed to hear today. But, but maybe, maybe you're here and you're just, you, you've got that, that liar and it's just, it's been hung up on the willow trees for months, maybe even years. And there's just loss, there's grief, there's pain, there's sorrow, there's uncertainty, there's fear. Maybe you're in that place simply because of circumstances in, in life that have changed. Maybe it's, it's stuff in your life that God is trying to deal with. Only you and God know that. But he wants you to know this morning that he is with you, that he is for you, that he is way closer than you think he is. He's so near. And like we just read, when you seek him, you'll find him. And he wants you to know today that he is not done with you. He's not done with your family. He's not done with you. He's not done with this church. He's not done with what he wants to do in our city. He is not done. And and he wants you to know there is a hope and a future for you today. All of that is yours in Christ. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, God, we just declare you today to be our hope. God, we declare you today to be our future. Lord, I thank you so much that we can stand firm on you, the one who is the rock. God, in the middle of whatever craziness, God, that we're go- is going on in our lives, God, in the middle of all the craziness that's been going on in our world, God, even, God, should things get way, way crazier this week, God, I thank you that we have a rock to stand on. God, we have a sure foundation to stand on today. And Lord, I know that there are people, God, in this room, God, there are people who are watching this online, God, who who are in a very difficult place in life right now. God, it might just be all the stuff that's been going on in our world that has them so weighed down that that Jesus, they just don't see a a way out. God, they're just, they're burdened, they're depressed, they're they're filled with grief and sadness. Lord, I pray that this morning, Jesus, you would just allow hope God, to break through whatever it is that's going on in their soul. Let your hope break through. That, Jesus, you are not done. You're not done with them. God, you're not done with their family. Jesus, you are not done. God, let hope arise. And, Jesus, I pray, Lord, for the the person here, God, who's just been weighed down with loss. Maybe it's the losses that we've all experienced the past year and a half. God, maybe it's, it's, it's losses beyond that. But they're weighed down this morning with loss. God, I pray, God, that you would help them, Jesus, to be able to, 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 to be in that in a way that's good. And at the same time, God, be in that in a way, Lord, that they're just, they're able to worship you. God, they're able to see what they have and be thankful for that. God, help them to be in that in a way, Jesus, that, that doesn't exclude you. But God, in a way that brings you into that loss, God, just like we read in this psalm this morning. 
And God, as we do that, I pray, Jesus, that we would encounter the God of all comfort there. God, may we, may, may we encounter the God of peace. May we encounter the God who is good, always, always good. And then, Jesus, I also just want to, as we, as we close this morning, just lift up this church to you. And I pray, God, that you would help us, God, to be a church that grows stronger, God, through all the adversity, God, that's, that's happening, God, in the world around us. God, help us to be people of humility. God, help us not to be, God, know-it-alls, but God, help us to walk with a humble posture. God, help us to speak less. God, help us to, to act in kindness. God, help us to see people who are hurting around us. God, even if we disagree with the reasons why they're hurting, or maybe we even think they shouldn't be hurting, God, whatever it might be, God, if we see people hurting, God, help us to be people who, who just care. God, who, who pray and listen and try to understand. God, help us to be just that people that has a humble, humble posture. And then, God, I also want to pray, Lord, that you help us to be a, a people, God, that is a people of hope always hope always hope God may people look at us and, and not necessarily see people who have their lives all together God may they look at us God and, and may we be real enough that they know we're, we're broken people just like everybody else but God underneath that I pray God that they would see a firm foundation built on the one who is the rock and a foundation that's built on hope God, I pray for, for all the students in the room, God, who are getting ready to head back to school, where they're going to be surrounded by, by students that are hopeless. God, may, the, the, may those, those students, God, who are followers of you, just be, God, bright beacons of light and hope, God, in their, their classrooms, in their hallways, in their friend circles. Not because of anything that, that they have, but because of what they have in you, Jesus. And God, in our workplaces, God, in our, in our goings, God, as we're with friends and family, God, that don't know you or that just are, are just drowning, God, I pray, Jesus, that you would help us, God, to be people of hope. Help us. God, may your hope radiate in and through our lives. Jesus, I just thank you so much for your goodness. I thank you for your faithfulness. God, I thank you for this message in Jeremiah 29. God, that you are a God who has plans for us. God plans to give us hope. God plans to give us a future. And we stand firm in that today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Be encouraged this morning. God is for you. He is not against you. He is, he, he is working in and through your life. And, and I just encourage you this week to go out and be a person of hope in the middle of your brokenness, in the middle of your questions, in the middle of your uncertainty, be a person who carries the hope of Jesus this week. God bless.